Uh, all right. <clears throat> you ready? Uh, sure. Let's do it. All right, I have to do one more. One quick thing for the, the day job. <laughs> Someone just asked me to do something. It'll only take a second. One Mississippi. Ha ha. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, of course, I keep clicking the wrong buttons. There we go. How do you click the wrong button? You have like so one job buttons. to do. Have you looked at a computer keyboard? There's so many buttons. <laughs> How long have you been doing your job? Uh, define doing. <laughs> How long have you been in your current position? Oh, uh, three plus years. And you don't know if you're clicking the right button. Like, this is why I make fun of your profession. <laughs> You have to click OK, and you freaking IT people are always like, well, hold on here. There's about 25 steps before I can click OK. And you're like, or you could just click the button. <laughs> and I don't want to click the wrong button. It's like, there's no, it's. <sighs> you don't understand, man. I, I click the wrong button. The whole company gets taken down. That's how much power I have. <laughs> you know, given the fact that you've mastered the art of keeping your job without getting promoted i highly doubt that two best um friends no wait keep your shirt on it's just a typo stop you are freaking ridiculous who think they know football the chiefs or the cold or wow the chargers there we go stop thinking just read bring you unprecedented access to the nfl world Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force as a clip came very suddenly cried out and was silent. The 2M Football Show starts now. Welcome in to the latest episode of the 2M Football Show. Mike and Matt here with you as always, and today we are breaking down our next division um, as part of our, our team previews for 2023. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm phenomenal. Never been better. <laughs> I detect no sarcasm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why would I do that? Um, unfortunately, we are not on video this week. Unfortunate for you, Matt, and everyone else, because you can't even see me wearing my my Jet Favre jersey where I crossed out Favre and wrote Rogers on the back with a Sharpie. I don't think you did that. <laughs> well, we're not on video, so you'll never know. Well, you treasure Favre way too much to destroy that. Damn, I, I was not expecting you to call me out on that. You're 100% correct. <laughs> um, but, yeah. We're not on video. Matt's a little under the weather, um, which also means you won't be able to see my awesome drawings. But that's okay. I'll still put them in the tweet and the the Instagram post when when we release. So those will still be seen. And this is a this was a the Patriots Picasso <laughs> style interpretations, which will never see the light of day. Uh, my my actual Patriots drawing, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, but before we get into all that fun stuff, we are going to we're in the middle of the preseason now. Week one is in the books. Week two gets underway tonight as we record this on Thursday, August 17th. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, biggest takeaways from preseason week one. And without further ado, 
let's get into it. Um, and actually, before we even get to the games, just as of the last couple of days, we've gotten a couple veteran running back free agents um, get actually signed by teams. Ezekiel Elliott joins the Patriots on a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. And Dalvin Cook, probably more impactfully, joins the Jets, also on a one-year deal worth up to $8 million. Minnesota and Green Bay come together for the first time ever. <laughs> well, the first time since Brett Favre, but yeah, I'll let it slide. There it is. See, I just keep setting you up and you just keep <laughs> knocking them down. Uh, yes, so very interesting signings. Of course, Elliott will be probably the goal line back for the Pager. It's kind of like what he ended up being for Dallas the last few years with Tony Pollard's emergence. Um, and then the Cook, the Cook one's going to be interesting because they've got a Brees Hall coming back off the ACL, but he was incredible last year as a rookie before getting hurt. So, I mean, now they've got two really good running backs in that backfield. <clears throat> and it's weird because there seems to be a lot of caution around the uh, the professional fantasy football people of like being nervous around Brees Hall mm-hmm. because of the ACL tear. And I'm, now that they have they signed Ezekiel Elliott, it kind of makes you question if everybody's kind of in that same boat of how is he going to be? You know, some players bounce back from ACLs. I feel like they're not as impactful as they were like 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. You see guys coming back um, faster than than before. <clears throat> but um, I think it's usually year two after the injury where they're really back to 100%. Like, yeah, Brees Hall will definitely play this year maybe even as soon as week one, but uh, the signing of Cook allows them to kind of ease him back in with probably a smaller workload at first. And then, uh, you know, pick up steam as the year goes on. So that just happened within the last couple of days. Back to last week's games, uh, we saw Anthony Richardson get all the, the first rise team rise of the rookies. Yeah. Yeah. Got all the reps with the first team uh, in, their, in the Colts' first preseason game. Uh, he looked okay, 7 of 12, 67 yards, one bad interception on the on their first drive. It was just a kind of ill-advised throw off his back foot, kind of just a desperation throw up towards his receiver. Hard to throw an accurate ball from the position he was in, and it floated over his head and got picked off. But he, he bounced back from that pretty nicely. Uh, it made some good reads. A few more off-target throws, which, you know, what what can you expect from the, the guy who's, first of all, a rookie and and, and exceptionally kind of raw rookie who only started one year in college. So um, nothing too alarming there. They did. I mean, it was enough, apparently, for the Colts to name him their week one starter for the regular season. Which is exciting to, to know that already. I mean, good for him that he has the team's confidence. I just want to say Gardner Minshew did nothing wrong. He he was a perfect six for six passing in the game, but he will uh, take backup duties for the team once the regular season begins. It's always weird when you see that, right? You got someone with a decent amount of experience, mm-hmm. and again, it's preseason, right? Goes yeah. six for six and gets the backup role, right? <laughs> and you have a rookie who goes seven of twelve. 67 yards and an interception, and they're like, nah, you got the job, bro. <laughs> I mean, it makes you think the decision was had been already made before this game, right? It's not like he did anything in this game that they're like, holy crap, <laughs> you got to start him. <laughs> oh, my God, he threw an interception. Yeah. 
I mean, it's probably the right decision long term. Richardson, obviously, they hope is the future, having spent the number four pick on him in this year's draft. Uh, but the future is now. <laughs> Old man Minshew, sorry. I guess he's just relegated to being a career career backup at this point. A high-end one, though. He's a very good backup QB to have. Very underrated being a backup quarterback. Everyone thinks it's a punishment, but, I mean, look at Nick Foles with the Eagles. Sometimes you just never know. The timing of that backup role can play really nicely for a chance to blossom your career very briefly. Yeah, although I think the ideal examples of backup quarterbacks are guys like Josh McCown, who have (laughs) barely played. Whenever you do play as the backup, the, the fans aren't expecting much. You still get paid millions of dollars, essentially, just to travel the country and work out. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Trey Lance um, played, the I think, the entire first half of the 49ers' first preseason game. Didn't look too good. Took four sacks. He should have had two interceptions, even though one of them actually turned into a touchdown instead. I, I saw know. that bounce like out of the defender's chest, like right into the diving arms of their receiver. Of a different receiver, not even the one he was trying to throw it to. But yeah, I incredible. mean, I guess at the end of the day, a touchdown's a touchdown, right? <laughs> but like, I wouldn't play that game too often. Right. So if you just look at the stats, you might think like, oh, nice. He threw a touchdown, no interceptions. But that one absolutely should have been picked off. And there was at least one other occasion where he should have gotten intercepted. Um, Brock Purdy, though, is so locked in as their starter already that I don't think he even played in the game. It's uh, it's Lance and uh, Sam Darnold fighting over the scraps of who can be the backup for the team. I mean, it makes it a little interesting, right? Yeah. You've got two people who used to start on a team, one of them a pretty high draft pick, and they're like, nah, you guys can fight for who's going to be second on the roster. They've got two um, former top five picks. Wasn't Darnold like a really high pick, too, back in the day, several years ago for the Jets? Carolina. Or... Didn't the Jets draft him originally? Oh, yes. I'm looking right. I totally forgot about that stint in the Jets. I... Yeah, he was actually, okay, so... Fun fact, he was also a third overall pick, just like Trey Lance. And now they're both (laughs) duking it out for the backup role behind the guy who was literally the last pick in the draft. Uh, (laughs) It tells you that GMs are just as clueless as analysts and everybody else when it comes to (laughs) what rookies are going to be good. Um, But good for them for sticking with the guy who went undefeated in games he started and finished last year uh, for the team. Brock Purdy is going to get another chance to start. And then uh, last one I've got here, Jordan Love and the Packers looked very good against the Bengals. Love was 7 for 10, 46 yards. A nice touchdown pass to Dobbs where he kind of laid it in over the defender's arms right into the bread basket, so to speak. Um, looked good. I was encouraged. You were encouraged? I am, yes. <laughs> I'm crossing out Rodgers on my Packers jersey, too, and <laughs> putting love. Oh, boy. You're going to have to start splicing together all your jerseys. It's like, have you seen this? Um, this used to be a big meme of the Cleveland Browns, among other teams, where fans had their, I don't even know what the original jersey was. I don't know who their last good quarterback was. But then they had, like, overwritten it with a 
like a piece of tape and a Sharpie every year. And they had all the different quarterbacks that the Browns yes. had. Yes. It's like Jim Jim Couch, Tim Couch. I don't remember. Tim uh, I, yeah, Tim, Tim Couch. Thank you. Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn. Let's see how many we can rattle off right now. I don't know. Pick a name. There were a quarterback for the Browns. It's like the Bears. Johnny Johnny Football. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is like the Bears. Yeah. But um, anyway, nice to see Jordan Love and the Packers offense really gelling in this game against the Bengals. It gives us hope. A little bit of hope. I'm not going to be overly hopeful, but no. there's something going there. There's something. Something going on, yeah. All right. So now let's turn our attention to the AFC. East division, um, of course, consisting of the Bills, Jets, Patriots, and Dolphins. We'll go top to bottom and based on last year's standings, just like uh, in our, our previous episodes. And let's start with the Buffalo Bills. Last year, they were 13 and three, first place in the division. They had the second ranked offense with almost 400 yards per game and uh, the 28 points per game, which was also second in the league. They had a pretty solid defense, too. Sixth overall, um, second in points allowed. The one weakness was the pat- the secondary, which got incredibly banged up. Um, you had guys like Micah Hyde miss a lot, or yeah, Micah Hyde missed a bunch of time with injury, and they were even so they were still middle of the pack with uh, the fifteenth ranked pass defense. <clears throat> and of course, Talk coming about in- how good your front seven's got to be for you to get banged up in your secondary like that and still wind up middle of the pack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Von Miller had a lot to do with that. Uh, so and the Bills came into the season among Super Bowl favorites and they really lived up to that hype coming out of the gates uh, in their first after two games. They had outscored their opponents 72 to 17. Um, their first kind of stumble of the season came in week three in Miami, a last second two point loss where they in which earlier in the game they missed a short field goal and just ran out of time on their final possession, trying to get into range for a game winner. Uh, the score was 21 to 19, and I was rewatching a bit of the, some of the highlights from this game. Remember it? And the way they got 19 points was on a safety, courtesy of the Dolphins punter, who was trying to kick it out of his own end zone. Uh, instead, he punted the ball directly off the backside of his, his blocker, his personal protector, <laughs> bounced off this guy's butt and out the back of the end zone for a safety. Yeah. Somebody uh, said that that was the invention of the butt punt. <laughs> right. Yeah, and Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble. Right. Now you and know, the butt dolphins punt. and the butt punt. Like, I... <laughs> You can't make this stuff up. Like it's insane how these things happen. It's like it's so funny. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just thought that was important enough to bring up here. <laughs> uh, the Bills had some impressive wins in Baltimore and Kansas City, and their only other losses of the season actually came in back-to-back games against the Jets and the Vikings. And against the Jets, you know, this was. When by this time in the season, we had realized the Jets were actually pretty decent last year, especially on defense. And they managed to pick off Josh Allen twice um, against, yeah, against that tough secondary. And the Vikings lost. This was the crazy one. I, we don't even need to go over everything that happened, but um, if it ended you up going. Could picture it happening, it happened. <laughs> all in the last two minutes. But um, yeah, that was a crazy game, too. So. 
couple of kind of fluky losses in their regular season. And and all three of their losses were by a combined eight points on the season. They were very good. They did miss out on the top seed in the AFC, so they played in the wild card round, hosting the Dolphins, playing them for the third time that season, which is always fun. Um, especially by the on, way, we're down to their third string quarterback. Even more fun for the Bills, yeah, Skylar Thompson, the rookie. Uh, but the Dolphins actually came out and played really tough here, especially on defense. The Dolphins sacked Josh Allen seven times, picked him off twice, and returned a fumble for a touchdown. Uh, despite all that, the Bills hung on for the three-point victory, 34-31. Then in the divisional round, they hosted the Bengals, and I don't even this. I still don't fully understand what happened in this game because it was the Bengals like a complete won. reversal and collapse of like <clears throat> arguably the most dominant offense in the league. Uh-huh. And the Bengals do have a really good defensive coordinator whose name is escaping me right now, but Josh Allen only had 264 pass yards, no touchdowns with an interception, and what might even be more shocking than that is only 26 rushing yards. So they really bottled him up as they did to the entire offense. And the Bills' defense, uh, which had been pretty good all year too, they equally dropped the ball, allowing touchdowns on the Bengals' first two possessions with Burrow completing his first nine passes in a row. And this was a game in which the Bills never had the lead, and the final score was 27-10, to 10, not even close. And I know they, they dealt with a lot in terms of injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but I think it has to be pretty disappointing for their season to end in the divisional round of the playoffs last year, given the expectations. Well, I feel like the past few years, like the the – the Bills are, like, right there, mm-hmm. and they just can't, like, close it, and it's so frustrating. How many times have they put up the image, I think it was, of what, Stephon Diggs as the confetti rained down on the other <laughs> side, and he was oh, for another the field? Yeah. Like, they've come so close, and they they have such potential each year, but they yeah. just need to finish the season. Problem is they're in the AFC, which is where all the best teams are. If they were in the NFC, they'd be in the Super Bowl at least every year. <laughs> but um, yeah, fast forward to this off season where they lost through free agency Tremaine Edmonds, a starting linebacker, to the Bears. Devin Singletary, a running back, to the Texans, and their slot receiver Isaiah McKenzie went to the Colts. They brought in Connor McGovern, offensive guard from the Cowboys, and Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker, most recently of the Rams. And then in this year's draft, with their first-round pick, 25th overall, they took Dalton Kincaid, the exciting tight end prospect out of Utah, and followed that up with uh, another offensive pick, Osiris Torrance, a guard out of Florida. So if you look at this roster and talk about offensive strengths, Obviously, it all starts with Josh Allen. He's the most, maybe the most, arguably the most dangerous dual threat quarterback in the league. Um, he's really improved as a passer, too, since the the early days of his rookie season where he couldn't complete an accurate pass. Uh, he's got to be top three at the position today, I would say. And he has a great connection with his top receiver, Stephon Diggs, even though there seems to always be some off-season drama with him. Apparently, things are all good in that neck of the woods, and they they really understand each other, the way each other likes to play. And that being said, about Diggs being great, I think wide receiver depth has to still be a weakness of this team. 
everyone was hyping up Gabe Davis uh, last offseason. Remember? Yeah, and it became who? Yeah, right. In the, the previous year in that playoff game, he had four touchdowns or something in one game in the playoffs. So everyone thought he would really step into a, a real, you know, number two complimentary role. But he didn't really make that leap last year. Um, he can still be a deep threat touchdown guy, but just the the reception ball. He's not like a move the chains, doesn't get a lot of receptions. Uh, so he's still their number two. And like I mentioned, they lost Isaiah McKenzie, who was their slot receiver, who actually made a lot of plays for them last year. So I would say wide receiver depth is a weakness. And uh, <clears throat> questions for this offensive line a little bit, just will the guys they've added be enough to to improve them? Because uh, I feel like you could argue also in weaknesses or questions here is their their running game, which uh, it's always been very weird. They haven't had what I think is anything solid. It's been a little bit of a committee, but really mm-hmm. their running goes through Josh Allen. Yeah. And thankfully, he's built like, you know, a tank and can take it. But at the same time, you don't want to keep putting your quarterback in those positions. It's just it's not advisable. Mm hmm. Um, <clears throat> moving over to the defensive side of the ball, they have a really great secondary. Like I mentioned, they got really banged up last year, but when they're healthy, it's about as good as it gets in the league. You could argue Tredavious White at corner is really good. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, just incredible at safety. Still miss him from his days as a Packer. Uh, Micah Hyde, that is. And then, you know, Von Miller, still a disruptive pass rusher at age 34. They uh, brought in Leonard Floyd, like I mentioned, to operate alongside or opposite him. I'm just realizing now that these two played together in in L.A. for a year or two, didn't they? They may um, have. But yeah, with the Rams. But overall, they've they've got a really solid front. I don't see any glaring weaknesses in this unit. But <clears throat> the question I think is how much will the loss of Tremaine Edmonds hurt? He's been a Really good player for them in the linebacking core. Really fast, especially for a linebacker. Um, projected to take on his role at the moment, at least by our lads in their depth chart. His second-year player, Terrell Bernard, who was a third-round pick uh, last year. So we will see if he's able to fill those shoes. And then the other thing changing for this defense is Sean McDermott, the head coach, returning to being the defensive play caller. They parted ways with uh, Leslie Frazier, who had been with them in that role since 2017. And now McDermott will be serving as the defensive coordinator as well as being the head coach of the team. Yeah, that should be interesting because the defense wasn't half bad. And so it's kind of strange that they decided to go their separate ways um, despite Mm – doing okay but clearly they have a, they have a plan in place and so it's going to be interesting to see how McDermott handles both the head coaching responsibilities while piling on the defensive responsibilities yeah yeah that's why I have it as a question I don't know if it's good or bad or neutral <laughs> I don't know uh, overall I'd say this team should still definitely be viewed as a Super Bowl contender i uh, don't know if you can say they've improved as a team or as a roster this offseason, but maybe you could argue just by virtue of getting everybody healthy again to start the season. <laughs> They'll be a better team than what we saw at the end. Um, so I've got them at an A-roster grade. What do you think? 
I put it at a solid A. I mean, not too much has shifted. There's some questions in the middle linebacker with uh, with Edmonds being traded out. There's a little bit of a coaching strategy sort of shifted around. So the question is, how do these little details play into it? But for the most part, overall, the roster hasn't changed dramatically. It's still it's still pretty much what it was, minus a few pieces. So I think they're a contender like they are every year, but they need they need to do something to be able to push at the end of the season. You could be 13 and three and go out in the playoffs against, you know, a far. I don't want to say inferior team, but you can go out against a nine and eight team just because you don't bring it when it counts. And speaking of a nine and eight team, I don't know if you intended that, but if so, I am a genius. We're going to realize this. The Miami Dolphins were nine and eight last year, finished second place in the division, and they had an offensive explosion um, under Mike McDaniel at head coach, and Tua made a big leap, and obviously bringing Tyreek Hill helped as well. They had the fourth-ranked passing game with 265 yards per game. Couldn't really run the ball, but they still put up a good amount of points. Defense was a mixed bag. They were very poor against the pass, but good against the run. So the biggest storyline, though, for them last season was was Tua Tungvaluwa suffering oh multiple God, concussions. Oh, my God, that poor guy can't remember his name. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, was, I mean, he literally couldn't remember a half of football he played against Green Bay after suffering a concussion. Um, so he, he missed weeks four through six with a concussion, came back, but then – and, and he played for a while, but then he was shut down for good after week 16 when he was uh, diagnosed with another concussion. So I think he, that was three three concussions in the span of, you know, two and a half months or whatever. Uh, apparently he's, he has, you know, he's not retiring. He's fully healthy coming back for this season. But as a team last year, they were off to an incredible start. They were eight and three, riding a five-game win streak with really impressive victories over the Patriots, Ravens, and Bills. But it all went off the rails from there, losing five in a row and just barely making the playoffs in the end. <clears throat> and we already discussed their playoff loss to Buffalo, where Tua was out, even Teddy Bridgewater, their backup was out, and it was down to the rookie Skyler Thompson. I would call the season a success for them, given not many expected a playoff berth for them, except for me, because I'm a genius. They were my playoff sleeper. <laughs> the positives to carry forward, mainly that Tua is healthy again, and uh, Mike McDaniel looks like the real deal as the head coach. I like how even after all this success and what they've gone through, they the memes on Mike McDaniel are great. Like his dad left for the weekend and left him in charge of the family business because he doesn't. He doesn't give that demure of, like, uh, the typical head coach, I guess. He's got, like, that sort of chill party vibe. <laughs> like, you, yeah. when you watch any of his press conference clips, like, they're hilarious. And you're like, this yeah, dude is running. Funny. He is funny. A NFL franchise right now, like. I remember the clip from, uh, I think it was the Bears game. He was him yelling at Justin Fields after a big run. He's like, just stop it. Just stop running. <laughs> Something like that. It's just like funny. You don't see that from anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, arguably, he should have been yelling at his defense for giving up another big play. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's very atypical uh, in a good way. This offseason, uh, well, actually, is a 
midseason trade, they they traded for pass rusher Bradley Chubb from the Broncos at the trade deadline, signed him to a huge contract extension. And then this offseason, they traded for Jalen Ramsey from the from the Rams uh, for just a third round pick in this year's draft. Unfortunately, that one has already taken a turn for the worse with Ramsey uh, suffering a meniscus tear that had to be surgically repaired. And he's out till December ish. So they won't be able to benefit from that move until then, at least. Outside of those two moves, they were pretty quiet uh, in the offseason. They lost their t- starting tight end, Mike Gesicki, in free agency to the Patriots. Uh, and they brought in David Long, the linebacker from Tennessee, and then Mike White is the new backup quarterback uh, from the Jets. Had some success there last year. In the draft, uh, no first-round pick because of the Chubb trade. But with their second-round pick, 51st overall, they took Cam Smith corner out of South Carolina. And then uh, this is the guy that's getting the most buzz, at least in as I'm doing my fantasy draft prep. Uh, Devin A-Chain, running back from Texas A&M, was their third-round pick. I don't, I don't even want to talk about fantasy football. I'm not like you. Like, I'm happy about my <laughs> position I'm in, but at the same right. time, it's too much pressure. I'm going to say, you're getting a high pick this year. No no number four. I you're mean... Gonna... For the first time in like three years. Like how that would have been amazing. (laughs) We tried the most random way of like deciding it. And I still wind up with the fourth. Very comfortable (laughs) with my fourth overall. Right. Just to expand on that a little bit. Little tiny bit of fantasy corner in here. We're using the the Women's World Cup as uh, to determine our draft order. So we all got assigned a country. I had USA, which seemed like a coup at the time. I'm the commissioner. It seemed a little shady. But, hey, luckily they went out in the round of 16, so it doesn't look too bad anymore. And in terms of collusion, I'm, I got the eighth pick, which is like the worst one you can have, I feel like. But anyway, Matt, you, you're Spain are into the finals on Sunday, so you are guaranteed a top two pick. No pressure. And apparently this is the first time that Spain's made it, so maybe it's a little bit of luck. <laughs> Stay tuned for the results of that. We will definitely have to start doing fantasy corner segments uh, soon. But anyway, let's go back to this Dolphins offense. The strength Tua had a breakout season, posting career highs in yards with 3,500 and touchdowns with 25. And that was despite missing, uh, you know, five-plus games over the course of the season. Not remembering who his teammates were. Well, yeah. And, well, one of the said teammates, Tyreek Hill, a new one, Proved worth every penny of the contract they're paying him and the draft capital it took to acquire him, picking up pretty much right where he left off in Kansas City. And paired with the dynamite Jalen Waddell in the is more of a slot receiver. Uh, this is a great group of pass catchers. Very dangerous, very fast. Like very fast. Defenses yeah. got to be frustrated trying to figure the, these two out. You know, it's kind of one like, of them's bad enough. Kind of like pod racing in that way. Very fast, very dangerous. <laughs> Brett Favre would improve. Anyway, a uh, weakness of this team it has to be the running back position still, I think. They've got uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who both uh, spent time with McDaniel in San Francisco in previous years. But they're both aging. They're, they're both kind of injury prone. They brought in A-Chain, uh, like we mentioned, who could provide some juice and might end up taking over the starting role at some point. Uh, okay, cross out this part about the Dalvin Cook rumors. <laughs> he visited, but they did not sign him. Biggest question, obviously, is can they keep to keep their quarterback upright more often next year? I don't even yeah. want to think about what happened if he keeps taking hits like he did last season. 
that offensive line needs to make sure that nothing gets past them. Honestly, it's not even about like a score at that point. Like if Tua hits the ground one more time like that, like it's got to be a career over. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly could be. So do your job. And and he's got to just get rid of the ball. You know, (laughs) every sack, as we've discussed before, every sack is partially on the line, partially on the quarterback. You know, it's like if it's not there, just just throw it away. Take the intentional grounding if you have to, but don't take the hit. And I'm sure that's what his coaches are telling him to. In terms of their defense strengths, uh, hopefully the secondary is what I put. Well, you can cross out all this about Jalen Ramsey. They've got Xavier Howard still. He's a stud on one side. They've got the rookie they drafted, so they can hope that he can come along quickly. Um, but, yeah, without without Ramsey, it is mostly down to just hope that it gets better <laughs> until he comes, uh, until he's able to start playing again in, around December. Uh, I didn't really have any weaknesses here besides, well, I wrote hopefully not the secondary, but it, it may well be an issue for at least to start the season as the, the rookie gets acclimated and we wait for Ramsey's return. But the front seven was very solid. They were a great run defense last year. Oh, and they hired Vic Fangio. He's their new defensive coordinator. That will That should help a lot. That guy's great. Very good coordinator. Yeah, he's had success with the Bears, the Broncos. I think he took a year off or something last year, but uh, Miami bringing him back into the fold, and that will definitely help this group. Uh, I think this looks like a very good team, too. Assuming health for Tua Tungavailoa, the Dolphins should definitely be in the mix for the playoffs again. Maybe even for the division. This whole division looks insanely loaded now. Um, I gave him, I had him at a B plus. Maybe that's a little aggressive. What do you think about the Dolphins? I put them at a solid B. I think the biggest question in my book is what you, we've touched on a few times is can they keep Tua healthy? Yeah. All right. I mean, they well, they've got Mike White in the wings now, so he's he's pretty good. It's Sometimes. not even it's not even a question of like wins and losses. It's it's the verge of losing a career at this point. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the bigger things of football, like I don't want to see a young kid that, you know, has a good amount of talent and has proven that he can do the job cut short because you can't keep him upright. Mm -hmm. So my biggest question is, will the offensive line step up? The defense has, you know, it's going to be a little shaky without Ramsey, but I'm more concerned than ever of watching the offense and they're they're uh, being able to call the right protections. Yeah. Like throw in tight ends to help block if you need to. Like at this point, there's no excuse. And well, yes, I completely agree that, you know, if you don't see something, just dump the ball. <laughs> Try again. Don't don't hold on to it. You're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. Well, speaking of concerning offenses, our next team is the New England Patriots, who were eight and nine Words last year. We never year. thought we'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Eight and nine record last year was good for third in the division. They had the 26th ranked offense with just 314 yards per game. Uh, defense was solid, as usual, under Bill Belichick. That's his, that's his bread and butter. It's kind of a weird year for the Patriots as they're still kind of stumbling around <laughs> with the Brady era finally being over. 
Uh, they were able to stay right around the 500 record all year long, and they really did have a shot at the playoffs until late in the season, even though their offense was brutally bad. I still don't know if Mac Jones is good. I don't know if they know if he's good, and he still doesn't really have a ton of, to work with in terms of his receiving weapons. Uh, last year, the defense carried them, and uh, studly, studly Ramondre Stevenson, but that can only really take you so far, especially with the rest of the team, the division kind of ascending around them. They lost Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar, two of their uh, starting, I guess, wide receivers to free agency, as well as Damian Harris, uh, one of the running backs to Buffalo. And they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, a wide receiver. I played with the Chiefs last year. Mike Gesicki, the Dolphins' tight end. And uh, most re- recently, Ezekiel Elliott to be part of their backfield committee. And they also brought back offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. Uh, hopefully, uh, kick- back where he started. Kicking Matt Patricia back to the curb once and for all. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what they had with Patricia calling plays. If he, was, he was a defensive yeah. coordinator, and they're like, this guy could call an offense. Right. Makes no sense. Um, and, and Mac Jones expressed excitement about O'Brien being there, too. So that could mean good things for the offense. Uh, and then in the draft, they took Christian Gonzalez, corner out of Oregon, with their first pick, 17th overall. And then Keon White, edge rusher from Georgia Tech in the second round. Uh, looking at their offense, the, off- the O-line should be pretty solid. And then Ramondre Stevenson is incredible. And now that they brought in Ezekiel Elliott, too, they have very diverse group now. Ezekiel Elliott is kind of the short yardage thumper, also great in pass protection. And Ramondre Stevenson is really versatile too. He, he, this he was is a chance to sh- for, for Zeke to showcase what he was all about in his early years at Dallas. Cause I feel like he started to take a back seat as Tony Pollard sort of yeah. emerges the guy. You don't so have to tell me as a Zeke fan. He's going to show how dominated he once was what better opportunity yeah, well, I'm still not drafting him again in fantasy. I'm out. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, offensive weaknesses, we still don't. I mean, Mac Jones has just had a weird couple of years. He was the first-round pick in 2021. Missed time with injury last year. Was benched mid-game for Bailey Zappi, uh, even after returning from an injury. Statistically, down year across the board uh, compared to his rookie campaign. Maybe O'Brien will help. Like we talked about, Mac Jones is excited for him to be back. I mean, I'd be excited for anyone walking in that door besides Matt Patricia. You could argue their pass catchers have slightly improved with uh, Smith-Schuster coming in, obviously former number one for Pittsburgh back in the day. And then uh, Mike Gesicki is a pass catching tight end. They also extended Devontae Parker. I would argue it's still a subpar group of targets for him. But the biggest question for the offense is, to me, Mac Jones. Can he make a leap? He had, you know, as any first-round pick, high expectations coming into the league that he certainly hasn't lived up to. His situation entering this year is probably the best it's been uh, coming into year three. So can he? Which isn't saying much, but no, it's not really not. (laughs) But it's almost time for you know the team to have to make some decisions about him, about the the fifth-year option and stuff. So this is kind of a big year for Mac Jones. On defense, it's it's always pretty solid, like I said, with Belichick, but the secondary is great. They had 19 interceptions of the team, third most in the league, led by Jonathan Jones, who had four. Uh, He'll line up across from, most likely, Christian Gonzalez, their first-round pick, with Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar at safety. 
And Matt Judon, linebacker who they signed from Baltimore a few years ago, he's been great with 28 combined sacks in his two seasons with the team. They actually, I don't have any weaknesses necessarily, but they actually brought in a ton of free agents that I didn't mention just on one-year contracts. Uh, I don't know if they were worth mentioning, but it'll just be interesting to see how how they contribute and how Belichick lines them up and coaches them. I mean, Belichick is still trying to prove he can do it without Brady, and so yeah. far this experiment is not, it's not, not going too, great. too hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Brady is the kind of guy who could work with, you know, scraps at wide receiver. I mean, not that he didn't have great ones at times, you know, like the Moss Edelman days, but, uh, you know, he, he's a kind of quarterback who elevates everyone around him and Mac Jones isn't at that level yet. If they can put it together on offense, they will be another interesting team to look at to utter to watch. And what seems like it'll be a really competitive division again. I still think a lot of it falls on Mac Jones to make that progression and and lead this offense uh, out of the out of the dark ages of the last couple of years. <laughs> I've got him at a B overall because I think the defense is good, the O line and run game is good. It's just a question of Jones and his weapons. Yeah, I feel that's fair. All right. One more team here, and it may oh be they were last days on this team. They were in last place in the division last year. Maybe I don't even I haven't looked at the Vegas odds. I don't know if they're favored to upset the Bills and for the division win. But the New York Jets were seven and ten, you know, fourth place in the division last year. But you could pretty much throw most of last year out the window because everything has changed for them this offseason. Uh, I guess the only thing you should say, even as a team that kind of struggled the back half of the year, they, they had an incredible defense, incredible draft class. They, they drafted Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson and sauce Gardner. All right. Were those all rookies last year? I believe so. Garrett Wilson, the offensive rookie of the year at wide receiver sauce Gardner, the defensive rookie of the year at corner. And then Brees Hall was on, on pace to do great things before tearing his ACL. And they were looking good, and the team was winning games, even with Zach Wilson at quarterback, who was eventually benched after oh, um, <laughs> after asking out head coach Robert Sala's mom on a date. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. I did these notes a while ago. Uh, what actually happened was he had a terrible game and was asked if he let his defense down by only putting up three points, and he said no, and then they benched him. Anyway, yeah, rule of thumb, you probably shouldn't throw your defense under the bus, especially when they actually did play well. And it was you who was the problem. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, anyway, he's still around and now he's being mentored by Aaron Rodgers, who emerged from the darkness and chose New York, just like Brett Favre did before him as the next stop in his career. Uh, Jets gave up a first round pick. And like Jordan Love will after. (laughs) You're 15 years I'm just going to say that it's now become a thing. Yeah. I'm going to set a reminder for 15 years and then see if that happens. <laughs> we'll check back in. <laughs> um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is here now. He brought half of the Green Bay uh, former teammates with him and Nathaniel Hackett as the new offensive coordinator. Among those players they brought in was Alan Lazard, Adrian Amos, Randall Cobb, all former Packers, 
Um, also, McCole Hardman, wide receiver, uh, formerly of the Chiefs. And then Dalvin Cook, just in the last couple of days, this news broke. They bring in Dalvin Cook at running back. In terms of this past year's draft, they spent their first round pick on Will McDonald, edge out of Iowa State. And then in the second round, came back and took Joe Tipman, center out of Wisconsin. So looking at the offense first, the strengths, obviously Rodgers, we think he still has it. Um, actually, never mind. I've got that in the questions. So put a pin in that. Brees Hall was great before he got hurt. Uh, great speed. Good pass catcher as well. He's a huge weapon. And now they got Delvin Cook, too, to compliment him or maybe take shoulder the most of the workload coming out of the gate while, while Hall works his way back to full health. Um, Garrett Wilson, incredible receiver already coming into year two. And Rodgers has a bunch of his old friends there, too, with Lazard and Cobb. And McCall Hardman is a nice complimentary option as well. And they've even got Corey Davis still. I was say, don't forget about Corey Davis. He's good. He's, he's become player. relevant since he left the Titans. Kind of. I mean, he had a few relevant games last year, with even with Flacco and uh, Mike White and Zach Wilson throwing him the balls. And, and as just a depth piece, he's absolutely perfect. This is a deep group of receivers. Um, question about the offensive line. They have Dwayne Brown at left tackle protecting the blind side. He's getting up there at age 38. Isn't the player he used to be. Uh, the rookie I mentioned, Tipman, is currently slated to start at center, which, you know, is the most important position on the line. And then you've got some high draft picks like Mackay Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, who have had issues staying healthy early in their in their young careers, but had high expectations. So, you know, can can those guys come together and, and form a solid group um, to protect Rodgers? And then Rodgers himself. He had a really bad year in Green Bay last year, and you could argue a lot of factors played into that. No Devontae Adams. No, uh, they were starting a bunch of rookies. He was playing through a thumb injury for most of the season. Um, but his 12 picks last year were triple his 2021 total, and the first time he had more than 10 interceptions since 2012. So that's the question is, was that was that a Rodgers issue or was that a Packers issue? And I mean, we're going to find out because he brought everyone that he wanted from the Packers with him. <laughs> yeah, right. Just let's me remake the roster over here. <laughs> yeah, just without without the, that pesky GM and, and head coach ruining my play calls. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we will see. It's going to be so interesting. I'm so excited to watch them. Honestly, and the Jets are on hard knocks, so we've seen a decent amount of, of how their training camp is going and stuff. And I feel like Rodgers was never as likable as he's coming off on hard knocks when he was in Green Bay. I don't know if that's a, you know, if that's his PR team hard at work, making him look good, or if maybe he's happy. I mean, I'm sure it's refreshing to be in a new place after – how many years did he play for the Packers? Was it like, wasn't it like 15? I don't know. At least 12 as a starter. So, but we're going to find out quickly if he still, you know, if he still got it because everything he's perfectly set up to succeed with all the weapons the Jets have around him, great defense, and what has a potential to be a good offensive line. Uh, speaking of that defense, 
Sauce Gardner is incredible at corner. And uh, that's pretty much all I wrote down. <laughs> they, they just signed. Yeah, right. They, that's, I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> they're, they're really solid as a group. And I feel like the defense is going to get the same amount of attention as the offense now that, you know, future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers is at the helm. Like, that just kind yeah. of drew everything to the offense. I mean, yeah, it takes a lot of pressure off. What's that saying? The best defense is a good offense. So they've got that now, in theory. Overall, the final verdict, I mean, I think it's really about Rodgers. If last season was a fluke and a product of the bad circumstances around him, uh, and he's still got it, you know, at age 39, 40 in September, then this team, I think it should be a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got him at a B plus, which I don't know. Feels kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Looking back at it, maybe I maybe feel like it. that's fair because they've made they're basically replicating a lot of the offense in Green Bay. But the question is, can they do it with this group of receivers? And can this defense really do what it needs to do to keep them in the game? Yeah. Well, I think that's about all we got on this division, the AFC East. Uh, we'll make our official picks in a few weeks, but uh, yeah, I feel like any of them could could come out on top, except maybe New England. I don't know. Ball's in your court, Mac Jones. <laughs> That's it for today, and uh, tune in next time when we discuss the AFC North. Matt, thank you for podcasting from your bed. <laughs> it is awesome. The... Uh, <laughs> The video from today will be on our Patreon only. (laughs) Mike, this is where you're fired. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.